Welcome to episode 21 of the Endless Stream podcast. I'm Aiden, and I'm here with Kevin and Brian as usual. Each week, we take some of the endless stream of content delivered to you through Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney+, Hulu, YouTube, Spotify. Wherever you get your content, we're going to take a chunk of it, we're going to watch it, we're going to talk about it. Given the nature of these conversations, they are very spoiler-heavy. So if you have not seen the new Suicide Squad movie, go and have a look at it, and then come back and listen to the podcast, because we're going to just... We're going to go through that up and down. We also talk about Mythic Quest on Apple TV. And uh, I think Clint Eastwood pops up at a certain point as well. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to the podcast and head over to Instagram and give us a follow. Over on Instagram, at The Endless Cast, we are currently running a competition. When we reach 150 followers, we are giving away an A4 character bust commission of your choice. You name the character, I'll draw the character for you. Once we reach 150 followers, the winner will be chosen from that set at random. If you'd like to comment on anything that's said on the podcast, if you'd like to send us a recording or an email, you can do that at theendlesscast at gmail.com. All of that being said, let's get into the conversation. Well, let's let's start the podcast with something all important that we haven't done in a little bit. Um, Kev, contentment check? Oh, yes. Back on form. Glad to hear it. Back, back on it. Yep, I am... Um... I, you know, have been experiencing outdoor uh, events such as hiking and walking. Um, I did have to take a, I did have to do a poo in the woods. Well, you've answered, does a bear shit in the woods? (laughs) Yeah, yes, yes, they do. Um, Oh, yeah, it was awful. It was really bad. It was on, was it Sunday? It was like. A really hot day. We went for a big hike with Eber's family. You know we put this on the internet, right? Yeah. Just okay. Yeah, for sure what? People don't take shits in the woods. I had to take a shit in the woods just just last week. Oh, it was awful. I was with our family, we were hiking, and I thought at first I was just really hungry. And then it turned into like a pain. And I was just like, is it a stitch? Am I overheating? And Eber's just like, You're just not really used to walking around and stuff, which is a lie because like I'm 33, I've walked around. Um but yeah, it was just Oh God! And then I went for. I tried. I thought like if I peed, it might relieve the pain. And then I peed, and it just made things worse. And then I just had to be like, "Yeah." So you- you've been watching the Marvel movies with your girlfriend. Uh-huh. How far are you in on those? Um, Spider Man. We're up to date on Spider Man. What What comes before Spider Man: Homecoming? Civil War. Black Widow. Black Widow. Yeah. So you've watched Civil War. You enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. You watched Black Widow. You enjoyed mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And this was your second time seeing Spider-Man Homecoming? Um, maybe second or third time. I, I, you know what? I just, I just love those movies. Cool. You know? Um, and Emer's first time seeing it, though, yeah? I think Emer had seen some of it before. Which How did is kind she of, find it? It's kind of funny because, well, she, she, she did like it, but uh, it's kind of funny because I don't know, Aiden, if you actually remember, we went to see this in the cinema together. With Mark, with our buddy, with my buddy Mark. Yes. Yeah. And his bike, bicycle was stolen. That's what I was about to say. His bike got yeah. stolen when we came out. Yeah. Yeah. Good old Dublin. But uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, but I was going to say, I like I remember, you know, the scene in, uh, in obviously, Spider-Man Homecoming or whatever it is. It's Homecoming, right? Yeah, it is Homecoming. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's like where he goes to pick up Liz and he realizes that it's the Vulture's daughter, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of had saw a comment or something. I think you had seen a comment for sure, obviously. I no, but, uh, I didn't. I I didn't see a comment at all. I was amazed by the fucking, like, I was amazed that I didn't see it coming, and I thought it was a great. 
testament to how successful the film had been that I had stopped thinking and stopped trying to predict things. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was I just think, wondering how they were going to encounter each other. I think I literally just, like, as he was putting up, I was like, oh my God, it's going to be the, like the vulture's daughter or something, you know? And, uh, but like, that was kind of fine. But <laughs> I just remember when we went to see it, uh, him answering the door and Mark beside me just going, <gasps> like, <laughs> like an Audibly actual, gasped. yeah, like, it was just so funny. It's a completely took because obviously Mark was super engrossed, and it, like not in a bad way, but it completely took me out of the out of the moment because it was just the funniest thing. But then when I was watching it with Emer, Emer was just like, I, "I've seen this before." She's definitely seen this. She's like, "I've definitely seen this before. I've seen this before." And then, like literally, she said that, and then two minutes later, <gasps> that's that's shocking. That's shocking. I yeah. just burst out laughing. I was just like, how, how is this shocking second time around? She's like, she's like, I know, I know, I knew it was, but I totally forgot or something. But it was just, it's just, it's gas how that actually really gets people. But it's, it's so good, you know? And it's, it's so, it's so successfully done. Cause like you go to her house previously and don't meet her parents. Like there's a party at her house beforehand, right? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I think, I don't know if they intentionally did that, but it's set up, my expectation was, I can go to Liz's house and not see a parent. I can just see her and move forward. Not that I was consciously thinking this when it was going on, but, like, mm. I didn't necessarily think I was going to see Liz's parents at the house. So when the door opened and it was Michael Keaton, I yeah. was like, oh, God, yeah, he's been talking about his kid the entire time. Yes, it was very well done, I think. Tom Holland, when, like, I, I'm still listening to that Marvel, uh, uh, Marvelous Life of Stanley. Um, it's actually it's really really fascinating I do recommend it. it's awesome but um, yeah just listen to that or whatever you get a feel for like the kind of the vibe and like kind of why Spider-Man was so fresh when he came out you know and like his different issues and he wasn't this like muscle bound blue eye blonde hair chin, chisel chin six foot plus guy you know that kind of way but uh, when you watch it it's just like Tom Holland is actually a really really good Peter Parker Spider-Man he is really good. Even that scene where he's crushed and he's just like, yeah, it's like, you can do the Spider-Man. Or like, it's what? It's like, yeah, so you got the Spider-Man or you can do the Spider-Man. You can do the Spider-Man, whatever. But it's just like, it's like, oh, it's like, it's like he's he's even trying to take himself out of this. That it's not Peter Parker. It's Spider-Man. And Spider-Man can do this. You know, Peter Parker couldn't, but Spider-Man can, you know. But, uh, oh, it's just, he just really, I think he does a great job as Peter Parker and Spider-Man. What do you think then of the... I would say one of my favorites in the MCU. I, I'm living on the internet, so I, 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 I feel like I talk about things as if they're common knowledge or, or everybody's in the same mindset as me. So I just want to couch things a little better. But like, there's a lot of like, when are we getting the No Way Home trailer? When are we getting the No Way Home trailer? What do you think of the idea? I saw somebody saying that like, maybe they don't do a trailer. They just put the movie out. People will go. Not going to happen. But that's not going to happen. No, it's too much of a risk. Money. You think money it's is a cash, risk? cash is cash is king. Yeah, but because they got to spend money to market but, it. But you got to spend money to make money. You know what I mean? Welcome, welcome to my TED talk. Do you think the trailers will make people that wouldn't have seen a Spider-Man movie go and see a Spider-Man movie? Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And like you know, just there's going to be people. There's going to be people like like you know, could be somebody there a huge Spider-Man fan could turn around to their partner and say like, oh, like you know, maybe he's not into it or whatever. You know, and it's just like, yeah, hey, like let's go see Spider-Man. They're like, no, I don't want to okay like show me a trailer and then there's no trailer to show them they're like nah i'm off spider-man's november no i don't think december. it's about this year is it supposed to be december i think mm-hmm. it's supposed to be december but yeah it seems like they're good they're waiting 
because we've seen nothing yet, so I wouldn't be surprised. Do you think they're holding off to see whether or not they push the release? Yeah. Like, if if, if any of the rumors we're hearing are even slightly true, this is going to be a bonkers film. It's going to be an event. And it, it'd be like dropping Endgame during a pandemic. There's no way you'd be like, no, fuck it. We're waiting until things return to something more normal. Because like we know, we know, we know Melina's in it and we know Jamie Foxx is in it. And the rumors are Maguire and Garfield are in and it. And even Matthew Cox. Uh, supposedly, supposedly Dunst, supposedly Dunst is in it. Yeah. So this is a big, big event picture. It's not just another Spider-Man film. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of on a par with something like Infinity War or Endgame, except it's also combining two previous yeah. kind of in you know installments of of the characters. So yeah, like if if this if cinemas aren't open again, if this thing doesn't have a the chance to make a billion bucks, if they've gone to the trouble of getting Holland or like Garfield and Maguire um, they want this thing to make and a Melina billion bucks. And, and, and Dunstan yeah. and yeah. Who's... Daredevil. Yeah, supposedly Cox is in it as well, yeah. Yeah, like if any of that is true, then they're they're looking to make a billion bucks with this and they're not going to release it during un, un, until cinemas are, are open again. But Sp- like, Spider-Man so. was like the Spider-Man was like the team of guy of the 90s, right? So like any number of superheroes could be in this. I would say as well. We know Doctor Strange is in it. Yeah. So. And yeah. th- that hot toy that we're seeing with Spider-Man um, wearing Doctor Strange's cape, is that tied to No Way Home? Or is that just them doing some random concept art shit? I think it's No Way Home, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it, I don't it's know. called like zombie catcher Spider-Man or something. Does, did, someone say, did someone say it could be a what if, a what if thing? Yeah, or it could be what if related, but I, I I think it's more film related. But there also there's also people saying that pretty soon we're going to see characters introduced in what if are actually going to appear in MCU in a film in live action as I well. Mean, yeah, that's all so, good with that. Like I'm I'm just I think to be honest, I think Marvel is just let them run with it. They're not afraid to take risks, and most of the time it kind of pays off. You know, for for to a, to a, to a good good degree. You know. Hmm. Do you think they take risks? Yes. I would I would have said I, I think they do. Yes, yeah. I would have said Guardians of the Galaxy, big risk. Yeah. yeah. It, it's just when the, when it comes out and when it's a success, it looks like it's, you know, Orchestrated. fitting the yeah. mold. But but there's a lot of stuff before we get to see it. Tor was a risk. Yes, Tor was a risk, yeah. Captain America was a risk. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I think they do take risks to be honest. Uh, but and I think like it's kind of like it's one of like again, obviously I said like I'm just listening to this book and stuff of like that. Like, but I think it's one of those things that Marvel kind of was good at. It's like kind of I know it's not not underestimating their fans or their fans like devotion, passion, intelligence, whatever you know. And I think that's allowing Marvel because they're aware of it and they've always been aware of it and they're carrying carrying that spirit into the MCU movie wise. I think. Um, I think that's yeah they're they're taking risks and it's working out for them because yeah they, they respect their fans they don't think that these are just kids movies that generate millions they're also like where there's there's a legion of fans here who who will 
respect us if we respect them almost you know yeah like the was it Schumacher used to like say remember guys we're making a comic book movie and before every take mm. you know like this is for kids kind of vibe yes yeah 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 don't take um, it too seriously awful isn't it it's well it's it's just a different mindset they just didn't see the didn't quite see what it could be the what I was going to say was I think for anybody with the Marvel Unlimited app or access to comic books I would say go and dig out a copy of Amazing Spider-Man number 500 and I think you're going to see a lot of the visuals or a lot of the themes that you're going to see in No Way Home because that has a very strong Doctor Strange element very strong travel through the life of Spider-Man okay I'm going to check that out Um, I don't know if it begins in 499 but I remember 500 being like I took artwork from that and I like printed it on t-shirts and comic book or like I used to work in a shop that like made you could print anything on anything and I was like I'm taking this drawing and I'm putting it on a cup you know That's I walked brilliant. around with that cup for a while um, oh, I could, but, I could have to make my own stuff like that that issue was cool because it, it's about it, it gets into like Spider-Man and Doctor Strange and he gets astral projected through a timeline and he has to he gets stuck and has to fight his way through key moments in his existence sort of occupying the body of that moment and reliving these things and it, it, like it, in many ways it's a clip show comic book for issue 500 but like it shoots way off into the death of Spider-Man and I've seen some concept art where they like do up Tobey Maguire in that outfit from that moment mm. and it's like oh that could be a cool angle of where we see an older Spider-Man standing over the grave of I think Mary Jane and Gwen and like standing over everyone's grave and whatever's gone wrong in this world um, interesting yeah I, I, I think that book is floating around in the ether a little bit around this movie as well and I'm curious to see what gets drawn into it from it hmm. um, that's my Notion. While we're still on comic books, there was a trailer for Why the Last Man. Did you guys ever read that? I haven't, but I've always wanted to. I read a good bit of it, yeah. Long time ago, but yeah. I read a, I read quite a few kind of trade paperbacks, but um, I, I don't know how it ends. But Neither do I. Like, I read a bunch of it as well, and it's like, there's a lot of like, you know, kind of preachery, Walking Dead-ish sort of road trip across America to sort of see what's caused this. The the pitch of the book is that at a certain time on like the you see a little countdown clock ten, nine, eight, seven, and then every man on planet Earth drops dead. Every male drops dead. And the only guy left is this guy Yorick. And he's got a monkey. And he becomes this kind of I don't know, antibody patient zero, I guess. They're trying to work out why he's not sick and work out what caused this. And the world is in disrepair because, um, you know, so many people that worked in so many places are just gone. Like, airplanes crashing out of the sky. Um, the movie's got Diane Lane, or the TV series is like an FX thing. And it's coming in, I think, September, October. There's a trailer up now. It looks cool. Like, it looks like they're they're doing it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it, it, mm-hmm. They've been talking about doing it for a long time at this point. Diane Lane features... I don't recognize a lot of the rest of the cast. I see Missy Pyle there. She's been around forever. Um, she's great. I don't know if you remember Missy Pyle. Comic actress. Popped up in lots of stuff. If you remember Dodgeball... The the Russian, yes. the Russian oh, one yes. that the small guy yeah. wants to hook up with in all the makeup. Yeah. That's Missy Pyle. 
yeah, which great. is like which of, of all the roles she's done I pick the one where she's wearing buck teeth and fucking staring but, wall-eyed at things but she's yes, in I, stuff I know exactly who you're talking about yeah she's a real hard working actor and um, Olivia Thrillby Thrillby who was um, in Dread was the other agent in Dread will you just be watching it who's playing Yorick a fella called Ben Schnetzer oh god not with a name right. like that Schnetzer you're not into Schnetzer um, ben Schnetzer is for a long time. It was supposed to be a film with Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, I remember that. He was. I was he sort of like executive producing for a bit. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Is there anything you looked at this week, Brian, that you want to talk about? I watched The Summer of Soul on Disney Plus. Tell us about that. It's produced, directed by Questlove. Um, it's about a festival that took place in Harlem same time that Woodstock was happening something like 300,000 people in Harlem um, at a festival Stevie Wonder was there Sly and the Family Stone everybody was there and they filmed all of this and so many people don't even know the thing happened there's all this kind of I definitely don't yeah um, you know and kind of talking about it they were saying that you know they've heard that there was this festival like did it actually happen and supposedly the whole thing was filmed and basically the all the footage of it has been sitting in storage for 50 years Jesus. um so people have mentioned it to Questlove a couple of times and it, basically he you know he kind of over a number of years tracked it down and basically made this film so people could could see it essentially and it's pretty cool it's amazing to see you know um I mean a huge Stevie Wonder and Sly and the Family Stone fan so um, yeah check it out and it's Disney Plus Is it, how did it get to Disney Plus is it stars or something else ABC no I'm, I, I always find it weird what's under the Disney banner these days you know yes yeah yeah well I mean it only came out this year so I don't know what Questlove's you know production distribution deal was but it was acquired by by Disney Plus, I guess. Not a lot to say about it. Like it's a it's a funk and soul festival in Harlem in 1969 that all these like all the names in funk and soul played at. Um, but most people didn't even know the thing happened or took place. Um, but you get to watch it, see it, and there's some three hundred thousand people is insane. That, yeah, because yeah, I mean. My head goes, well, you don't know every gig that happens. And then I go, well, 300,000 people in the middle of fucking New York. You'd yeah, it, it's, it's happening. Like, I think I think there's some like 100 miles away from where Woodstock was happening that this was going on as well. And just as big culturally as, I mean, it should be as big culturally as, as Woodstock is. And it's and it's just been lost. Well, I mean, it's, it's been rediscovered now, but um, yeah. It's great to see as well. Like I think they were saying at one point, it was 1969, so Sly and the Family Stone didn't yet have the biggest following. Right. So when they come out on stage at first, the audience don't really know what to expect. the The band they're they're still tuning the instruments. There's two oh white guys in the band. There's a woman playing the trumpet, and people are kind of going, "What's this?" And then they just start, and it's it's amazing. Okay. Um, um, Woodstock yeah. had four hundred thousand people at attendance. And Sly and the Family Stone actually played Woodstock as well, and like the set that they did there was phenomenal. Also, mm. 
it's just interesting that this is happening in the same week or whatever mm. um but yeah some reason it's, woodstock has the well do you think it was because um the hippie movement was more popular i would argue it's more to do with who controlled the media in the 60s oh fair yeah fair i'm just i don't know obviously i'm not yeah i don't know um i did see a thing recently about they did a woodstock like 20 years ago or something and mm. uh it was huge and stuff but like there was like problems with like i think um problems with sewerage and essentially where everybody thought they were playing in wet mud they were actually just playing in feces and it was just you know, tons I was, and tons of people playing i was feces. sitting here kind of i half thought to myself is there some way the concept of an overcrowded festival is going to bring kevin back to shitting in public <laughs> Yeah, I didn't and shit in did public. It. I didn't shit in public. I shat in the woods. It's very different. Um, okay. And then my girlfriend's mum sp- sprayed hand sanitizer all over my hands. I just had to stand there with my hands up while she sprayed hand sanitizer on them. How? Thank you. Asking follow up questions. How did you wipe? Oh, uh, Emer had tissue with her. Yeah, actually, more than enough as well. So that was that was. A lucky coincidence. Um, it's your high fiber diet. Oh man, let me tell you, it was like it was like a tub of ice cream that had like been let out in the sun for an hour. It wasn't great. Two big old loads of it there. I felt bad for nature, but it's natural. You know, it's. I'm sure animals will feed off of it or something. Summer of Love, Disney Plus, check it out. Summer of Soul, I think. It's excellent. I think you mean Soul. That. God damn it. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Poop. <laughs> okay, moving on. Aiden, I want to tell you that it's going to be okay. But I don't I, know I there can't. is. Have you never... I'm about to talk about Clint Eastwood and Cry Macho, and he's gone a long drive across country, and that's just as valid a conversation about why did he... How did he go to the bathroom driving across Mexico? There's going to be more... It's going to circle back. I think he can bring us back there. He probably wore a diaper like that crazy oh. NASA, NASA lady. That crazy NASA lady who drove across America to try to kill somebody. She wore a diaper because she didn't want to stop and she just shot herself the whole time. So Clint Eastwood is 91 years old and I thought He's probably wearing Grand diapers Tur- already. I thought after Grand Torino he, he had kind of retired from acting but like he made the mule... Grand Turdino. Turdino. I'm telling you there was a couple of Grand Turds in that forest last week. Actually, they were awful. They were hot messes. Flies were everywhere. Hot snakes? Everywhere. No, not even, Brian. It's like puddles of mud. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Tith Eastwood is 90 plus and is acting again. Chris Eastwood, it's not just that he's acting. He's 91 years old and he is directing this thing and starring Mm. in it. Which is astounding. But then at the same time, I do remember 20 years ago seeing pictures of him on the beach in his 80s. It can't be 20 years ago then. 70s. In his 70s. With his like 105-year-old mother taking a walk on the beach. <laughs> the two of them. Yeah. It's like, I think Clint Eastwood's going to be around forever. Clint Eastwood made his directorial debut with Unforgiven in the early 90s, which when he was 60. Nope. So, wasn't that? Unforgiven wasn't his... Was it? Now directorial I'm, debut I thought it was um, it, he, he he definitely won a um, 
it was an Oscar winner, but hold on, let me just double check that because, like, um, Kevin gets to slap you in the face if he's right. Yep. I mean, as long I'll as take, spray a take great it. deal of hand sanitizer. Oh, I didn't have to. My girlfriend's no guarantees. My girlfriend's mother did it. I just had to. I just had to be like, yeah, that that, that happened. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not proud of it either. But you just have to own it, don't you? You can't really be can't really be shy about it. I'm embarrassed. It's the poop in the woods. Everybody poops. Everybody poops. Director. So Everybody. what did you say? He made his directorial debut. Yeah, I thought he made a directorial debut with Unforgiven. So in 1971, directed play Misty for me, then High oh, Plains okay. Drifter, then Breezy, then The Iger Sanction, then The Outlaw Josie Wells. Oh, I, really, Gauntlet, I like The Iger Sanction. Billy, then Firefox, then Honky Tonk, then Sudden Impact. Um, Pale Rider, Heartbreak Ridge, Bird, White Hunter, Black Heart, The Rookie, then Unforgiven. So I was right. Have Have you seen The Iger Sanction? Yes. I haven't, no. Yeah, it's wild. Kev, how, how can you like that film? Um, it's... Oh well, look. Hold on. Or now that, we know what we're watching of, next I, week. Or am I thinking of the Pelican Brief? Is, is it the one about the guy going up the mountain to kill a guy? Are you thinking about the Ipcross file? Wait, what? Uh, Iger Sanction is fucked up. What's the Iger Sanction? Classic art professor and collector Jonathan Hemlock, who doubles as a professional assassin, is coerced out of retirement to avenge the murder of an old friend. Why is that fucked up? The stuff that happens that's said in it is... I'm not even going to say it on this because I'd get immediately cancelled. Okay, we're, we're watching the Iger Sanction for next week. It, it, it used to be on Netflix. Pete, Pete actually watched it years ago on Netflix. He came across it and he told me about it. And he was like, watch it. It's fucking insane. The stuff that they say and do in it. And Okay, no. <laughs> It's, it's, which, it's wild. Is it not one that's like an espionage movie? Yeah, I mean, it's about a professional assassin. So. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I've seen. I don't know. I don't know if it's. Tell, tell me what you tell. Tell us what you're thinking of. Give us any beats or further information of the movie you're thinking I about. I thought there was a movie in the seventies that was mm-hmm. like an espionage movie, and it was like, yeah, like all these kind of different people coming in, like crossing paths and stuff, but something to do with a file, like. Uh, uh, I think that's the Imp- Ipcrest file with Michael Caine. I'm going to Google it. Kev, you'd remember this film. Would I? Because of the the bonkers stuff that is said in it. Yeah. Okay, well, maybe, maybe I didn't remember. What, what's the one you said? Ip- the Ipcrest file, I think is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, Harry... Um, God, what's the name of the character? He's kind of a there's some kind of a sort of anti-James Bond, you know. It's a it's a spy who is tied up in bureaucracy. It's I love that film. I think it's great. It's Harry Palmer. To be honest, um, neither one of them sound familiar, so I don't know what I'm thinking of. Okay, there is a scene in the Ipcrest file, and it is 1970. Um, sorry, 1965. There is a scene in it where Michael Caine's Harry Palmer meets another espionage agent. And the two of them are pushing the tiniest shopping trolleys you've ever seen walking around a supermarket. And a lot of the conversation is about this ridiculous American form of shopping they're doing where they push a little trolley around no and way. put things in their own baskets. Because up to that point, you went to your butchers, you went to your bakers, you went mm. to your, you know, you went to different shops and the, mm. you asked the guy for a thing and he put it in a bag for you. Mm. And they're pushing these ludicrous tiny trolleys around doing their American style shopping mm-hmm. and it's so it's such a funny little like cultural I relic. sent you a clip 
of Iger Sanction just now. Do I play it in the podcast? Do not play it on the podcast. Maybe watch it, uh, you know, and then cut to two minutes afterwards and you can react to it, but do not play it on the podcast. Two minutes later. Okay, let's cut that out of the podcast. (laughs) That is not the movie I saw. (laughs) I didn't think so. Yeah. (laughs) not that anyway not that one okay so we will not be talking about the Iger sanction next week I feel like we've talked about it this week Um, at your own don't at your own risk go and watch the Iger sanction it's just it's it's of its time he it does seem like Clint Eastwood was trying to get every fucking slur out of his Uh, out of his uh, that was horrible holy I hate it watching that I hate it watching that that was horrific hmm Jesus Christ. Oh. <laughs> I mean You can say it's reflected of the times, it, but that's that's usually uncom- that makes me hugely uncomfortable. I didn't think it was gonna get worse than Kev shitting in the woods. No, there's worse things than shit in the woods. Cry Macho, ninety one years old. Speed racer. Not so bad. Kevin likes Speed Racer. Took twenty one comparison. <laughs> yeah, oh god, like it makes everything I wanted to sort of say after the fact kinda of hard to do. Yeah, I kinda of feel sad now um, i'm a lifelong fan of clint eastwood i've enjoyed the majority of his work um i think the fact that his career has started in the 60s and people don't notice that he's kind of been directing films since 1970 and like it kind of goes back to a thing i've said a few times here that like the people that seem to last are the ones that start making their own work same goes for comic books i think yeah like if you're just hoping a project's going to come along that'll be right for you you know, especially if you get the bit of traction of being successful and, and, and famous, then, you know, it behooves you to start. Um, like Margot Robbie is a great example of it. I keep going back to because right as her career was starting, there were a handful of other starlets that were being pushed just as hard. But Margot Robbie's really taken control of finding great roles for herself and pushing for good projects. Yeah, well, she's crazy talented as well, which kind of helps. I mean, I, I don't deny that, but, like, often talent gets invoked to, like, undermine the concept of all the work that went into it. So, like, crazy talented and crazy hardworking. But that same thing with Eastwood. I love that he's still making movies. I love that he famously is... He casts well, he chooses projects well, except for the Iger sanction, it seems. He casts well, plans clearly comes in under time and under budget kind of every time so he's just been let work coming soon shame about his personal politics though this is true yeah yeah separate the art from the artist if you can but it's hard i don't think you can i find it very difficult too like at least for the most part you don't hear him politicking does that make any sense he probably can't really use the internet until he spoke to an empty chair at that time. That, yeah, and I think he learned his goddamn lesson, you know? I think so, yeah. I don't think he gave a shit, to be honest. Yeah. I think he got a, he got a lot of positive attention when he, uh, he campaigned for Barack Obama. And when he did that chair talk, was him swinging back to the Republican Party. And I think the positive effect that he got the last time, he expected again and found that he didn't get. So he moved the fuck on. Like, yep, let's not do that again. 
Sure, do you remember there was um, his wife at the time wanted to do a reality show about their family in the same way the Kardashians were? And he was sort of walked through a living room every so often <laughs> with a camera going, you know, like oh, the Eastwoods. Meet Mrs. Eastwood, meet the Eastwoods. GranTorino.gif. I, I guess I'm going to just blow through the rest of these trailers because I always have the, the ones I want to talk about and then a few uh, off ones. Like, I watched the trailer for He's All That, which is the spiritual sequel to She's All That from 1999. Uh, it actually has Rachel Lee Cook in it. It has Matthew Lillard. I would be surprised if Freddie Prince Jr. doesn't make a cameo at some point. Um, I'd be very surprised if Paul Walker did make a cameo because he did. He'd been dead. It's got this guy. It's got this guy in it from Cobra Kai, and it's a Netflix film. And I can kind of see right this clearly, someone's connected. You know, nostalgia classics with this actor in Cobra Kai. Netflix's algorithm puts him in a movie. You know, my favorite thing Rachel Lee Cook ever did was a music video for a band that I didn't even like. But what was the music video? I don't know. It was for some emo band that I didn't like. But it's a brand new Glory. Is that a band? Newfound Glory. Newfound Glory, maybe? I don't know. We'll go to our emo corner. Kev, can you tell us about Newfound Glory? Newfound Glory aren't emo, they're punk. Uh, brand new uh, would kind of be emo-y, yeah, but um, we, I don't listen to them anymore, which is really kind of a bummer because I really like the music, but the lead singer was a group. Yeah, it's, it's the one with the lead singer. Yeah, I think it's that band what, that what, she was in a music video for. What was her name? Rachel Lee Cook? Yeah. Yeah. Josie of the Pussycats fame. And Carpool. With Sinbad. Anyone ever seen, that seen carpool? any of that? Josie and the Pussycats. Newfound Glory. Okay, it's Newfound Glory maybe, Brian. Uh, I don't know anything about that, to be honest. Is that what I said? Did I say yes. Brand New Glory? You said Brand oh, New Glory. I, right? I said, no, you said Brand New Glory, but I said it's Newfound Glory and it's Brand New. They're both different. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, thank you for this week on Emo Corner. The episode title this week is Does Kev Shit in the Woods, right? Nah, people, everybody knows this day. It's just been a week. You don't think everybody, <laughs> all my friends and family know. That's, yeah, it's the only way yeah, I can deal no, with my shame. I, I Hi, hi, tall customers. <laughs> I'd love to see somebody's reaction when, you know, they're pinned, they can't move, you're holding their arm, they're getting tattooed. They say, by the way, I shit in the woods and I wiped with these hands. I was wearing gloves, not at the time. There's no escape. At first I thought I was hungry, but then a warm feeling passed through me. I thought if I peed, it would release some of the pressure. I was really, I was really sick. I was getting like the shivers, the cold sweats. I could really just like, I was like, this is... This is rough. So this kid from um, Cobra Kai, his name is Tanner Buchanan. And wow. if I was making an SNL comedy white person, his name would be Tanner Buchanan. Yes. Holy God. But yeah. the kid is kind of the spit of Ryder Strong from Boy Meets World. Do you remember him? No. no Do you remember Sean from Boy Meets World? He had, he had the hair. No. Channels, pal. Is this the guy who's been cast as Blue Beetle? Or is in talks to play Blue Beetle in DC? No, I would say that's no. the other... I would say that's the Hispanic kid in Cobra Kai. If I had to guess, um, because well, the Blue Beetle is the the one that's sort of... The Blue Beetle that people want to develop these days is not Ted Cord. Yeah, I, said, I, don't, um, I, don't follow, I don't really follow DC. Yeah, like, I, I, I was one of the earliest comic books I bought from uh, uh, Pat Ferry at the comic book stall at Dunleary Market in 1994 would have been shout out to Pat shout out to Pat who has unfortunately passed on Um, he opened a comic book shop in Ah. Dunleary Shopping Centre called Wow Comics most of South County Dublin 
will have bought comics. Most of comic buying South County Dublin will have bought comics from Wow Comics at one point. Four for a pound. Blue Beetles in a little baggie. And I got Blue Devils as well. I went on a blue blue uh, streak. So I, I have a real soft spot for the Blue Beetle and the Blue Devil because they're some of the first comics that I bought with my own money when I was like nine years old. You're also a Booster Gold fan, aren't you? Not so much. But Booster oh. got sort of tied in with Blue Beetle a little bit later and I wasn't buying new comics at that point. Like, this guy's... Oh. This guy was selling out of long boxes in a in a market before he uh, got into it. I think there's a great Blue Beetle film to be made. It'll be very much like Spider-Man and Iron Man kind of relationship if they go the Ted Cord kind of route. But I, I think there's a really good film to be made there. Isn't, isn't yeah. Blue Beetle like he gets an alien suit or something? Well, th- this is the thing. It, it's a little Moon Knighty in that they've really tried to make this character work a number of times. And the one that's got the most traction now is the alien suit. The earliest version of the Blue Beetle that I know, and I've never read any of these ones, is real Golden Age stuff where a guy finds a mystical Egyptian scarab object that he wears on a belt that gives him superpowers. And as they retconned that into the sort of 60s Silver Age stuff, 70s Silver Age stuff, um, Ted Cord was there at the last battle of this guy and he promised him that he would carry on the name of the Blue Beetle, but he didn't get the magic scarab it got lost with him so ted used his money to kind of batman it you know the billionaire version of the blue beetle and that is very much owl man from watchmen as well the the, the flying vehicle mm-hmm. like the blue beetle like the is he owl man night owl night owl night owl like by the time zack snyder got his hands on him he kind of became a batman Variant, mm-hmm. but like he was, he was coming off of the Carlton comic books that Alan Moore was because Snyder doesn't understand the books. Because yeah, Alan Moore was was retconning a whole bunch of like Carlton comics stuff, and that was mm-hmm. where, you know, the um, the question and Blue Beetle were um, before they got reacquired by DC. But yeah, he became a very much a kind of Batman version, and then a few years back. They had the scarab thing retconned as a piece of alien technology that has an AI in it and becomes a suit and is very adaptive. And um, that's the one that seems to be very popular and connected well. And they've brought him into cartoons and stuff. Um, so I, I think that's probably the guy from Cobra Kai, if they're going to use him, um, would be playing. I don't even... How did we get all there from He's All That? But Blue Beetle looks cool. Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai. Cobra Blue Kai. Beetle. Or what are interested um, in? casting blue beetle anyway oh yeah I, I would be i suppose more interested in the blue beetle than he's all that um mary elizabeth winstead's in a movie from netflix called kate it looks like crank she's a hitman gets poisoned 90 minutes to avenge herself by the looks of it did, did we not just talk about this movie last week no mm, no so jolt is a different thing yes yes they're, they're very similar the, there's no timeline on that but it is a woman with rage issues who can beat the shit out of people and has an electric vest to electrocute herself. But I think I don't see enough Mary Elizabeth Winstead either, so it's cool to see her getting a... It's, was she in Scott Pilgrim and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. And she was Birds the Huntress of Prey, in Scott Birds Pilgrim. Of Prey. She was a Huntress, yeah. right? Yeah. Awesome. She's great. Yeah, it's pretty she's not in more stuff. She's really good in, um, I think it's season two of Fargo. Was it season two? Season three of Fargo. Season three, maybe, yeah. Very good. Yeah. She was in Death Proof, I believe, the Tarantino movie. Was she? Yeah. Did y'all, y'all watched Birds of Prey, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, I tried to. Oh, I, I saw about half of it. Yeah, that's fair. It's a, it's a struggle. It's kind of a struggle, isn't it? I watched it, but it's just like... that. Look, that that's a perfect jumping off point to what is the meat and potatoes of today's episode, which is we all went and saw the Suicide Squad. Or in Kev's case, the potatoes and other vegetables. Explain that. Do, do you want to try that one again? <laughs> or, or do you just want to leave it? Well, I got it. I mean, I don't I think just, it needs further explanation. Yeah, yeah. No. I, it did occur to me when we were talking about the Summer of Love, Summer of Soul thing that you just said Questlove as if everyone knows who Questlove is. Does everyone know who Questlove is? I don't. Did I say that? Hmm? Did I say that? Well, you just said Questlove went and found this documentary or has released this documentary. Oh, yeah. and it's oh, like, do people know who yeah. Questlove is? I'd imagine anybody listening to us knows who he is. Because you've all got taste. We love you guys. I don't. I, I'm literally... I'm literally, I'm literally one of the people on the podcast who don't know who Questlove is. Sorry, you don't hold, know who Questlove is. No. Yeah. Why didn't you ask when I was talking about this? Um, because I was trying to listen to you, Brian. Jesus Christ! What's the potato and vegetable you thing? Uh, you're vegan. Me- meat and potatoes wouldn't be the main subject of your meal. So mm-hmm. the analogy didn't work for somebody like yourself who eats like a vegan based prey animal. Okay. Questlove is the drummer of The Roots. Hmm. Uh, they're Jimmy Fallon's oh, yes. house yeah. band. Yes, you've talked about him before, but, yes. But them. they're so much more than that. Yes. Um, Questlove is cool. The Roots are cool. Questlove's very cool. Yes, I do actually. Um, yes, I know who you're talking about now. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's Questlove. Okay. One of my abiding memories of Questlove is I went to see The Roots in the Olympia. Were you there, Brian? No. It, was a, it was a college thing. I definitely went get the Kieran and Louise were. And we rolled into the Temple Bar Music Centre after the fact because Questlove was DJing. And, you know, dancing, even going on, whatever the hell else. And for some reason, some bloke decided to compliment me on my fro. Like, my hair looked like this. And he said, I dig your fro. And I'm like, I'm in a room with Questlove and you're looking at my hair complimenting a fro are you okay like it was the weirdest exchange was he making fun of you i think he was just out of his fucking brain i was gonna say someone sounds like they were just in the moment caught up in everything probably on a lot of drugs and thought you look like sideshow bob you didn't have to bring it to sideshow bob (laughs) (laughs) suicide squad Look, you look like the lion from the Wizard of Oz. Is that better? I mean, he's a great actor. Um, Suicide Squad. That's objectively better. Okay. Yeah, then Sideshow Bob, I suppose it is. Um, Suicide Cowardly Lion, though. Um, Suicide Squad. Not by the end. True, he did get a medal. Suicide Squad. Put him up. Put him up. Yeah. Apparently, they used a real lion skin for that. For his costume. That movie's cursed. That movie. Have you heard that before? Is that true? Bottom. I've heard that before, yeah. I haven't. The The guy that yeah. played Tin, Tin Man, Man was replaced because the the uh, the lead in the makeup they used poisoned the other guy. So they replaced the person playing Tin Man like a week into production because they nearly killed him. I don't think they killed him. I think they nearly killed him. The woman playing the witch, the first time she disappears in Munchkinland, there's a smoke effect followed by a big gush of fire. As she goes down the trapdoor, 
when they set off that fire, she wasn't in the trap door. So from her shoulders up got third degree burns and she was hospitalized for six months. That was the break. Yikes. When she came back, she said, I'm not doing anything else with fucking fire. So they got a stunt double to ride the broom that had a smoke effect around the studio. Like they were swinging her from the ceiling on this fucking thing. And it fucking exploded and fell out of the air. And the same woman played... great film, though. The same woman playing the witch got poisoning from the copper in her makeup. Good film, though. What, 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 what an age. What have we, what, what, what have we learned? <laughs> what have we learned? Even when they like you, they're likely to kill you. And they just were feeding Judy Garland fucking amphetamines and that sedatives. Oh, it's awful. Awful. Timeless classic though. Timeless yeah. classic. I mean, you can't argue. I mean, you can't argue great. with the results. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's I, a great. I movie. loved it. Has a dog, and some great songs. And some great songs. Yeah. There's a movie about the Munchkins staying in a hotel during the production of that. The little people that they hired to play those Munchkins. I'm using the word Munchkin because that's what they call them in the film. I'm using the word to describe the actors. Little you, people. You're referring I to hope the parts I'm okay. they played. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I hope I'm okay there. But apparently, that was a case of like. They got 80 or 90 little people in the same place. I've heard place. this as well. And I, I, I mean, it be, would, would it be kind of like an Olympic village, basically? Basically, yeah. <laughs> Is that what it was? Oh, you're, you're, you're saying they banged a lot. I, Apparently, th- those are the stories. Yeah, the, the stories yeah. are that 80 little people that had up to that point been scattered across America and had never seen each other. You know, you were an anomaly in your yeah, small town. There would have never been that many of them in the same place at the same time. That could just be anecdotal, but at the same time. It's also human Fair nature. To them. But you know, I think I, I think that's great. I mean, I'd be, dis- I'd be disappointed. No, it if is. It didn't. Yeah, no, no, it's just it, it's, it's it's spreading a story that may be fiction, but at the same time, yeah. it also and, seems and highly credible. But it's like it's in the telling of it as well. You know, it, it like you know, depending on who's telling the story, it, it's like you know, oh, they were out of their minds and they were having fucking orgies and all this stuff, yeah. and you know, it, it depends on it depends on why somebody's telling the story and. And how they're telling it's like it. when yeah. the Pope came to Ireland and all the good Christians went up to Phoenix Park and fucked the bejesus out of each other. Is that a thing? Yep, the Pope's children. There was there was a lot of Catholic hookups after the Pope visited. When the Pope visited, is that, nice. That's isn't that is that not a thing? Is it the Pope's children? <laughs> Loads of people just went to Phoenix Park, banging the hell out of each other. Hilarious. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I made that up. I have a very. Uh, I'd believe it. I'd believe it. You're telling me a lot of Irish people went to the same place at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Back free, when, free love and you know, we drank drank yeah. even more than than we currently do. Um, a lot of repressed yes. pe- people. Young people. Were in the same Young place at the same time. Young people being forced to go and, there. Yeah. We're ideologically opposed to prophylactics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. I, I thought I read somewhere there was a spike in the Irish kind of there's a spike you're probably 100 percent. i don't know but i could have made it up as well though i don't know whatever who cares we were saying that the uh, little people involved with uh, uh the wizard of oz banged like it was the olympic village and maybe may like it, i guess it's the difference between instagram and twitter that is tiktok is that seeing olympic athletes just being thirsty motherfuckers on tiktok is the first time we've kind of really seen that in the media. Have you seen that? Like, we've always kind of known that the Olympic Village has this reputation of being like, 
you've got people that have spent four years focusing on being the best athletes they can possibly be and 60% of them get knocked out day one and just get to hang around in a village with the best physical specimens in the world and that's the concept that's been around but maybe it's just me following Olympians but then a lot of them are like me in the village when somebody hot walks by and it's like there's a lot of that going on or testing the beds uh, they really embrace the concept is what I'm I saying I think it's just all attention seeking stuff like you know just because they're high level athletes doesn't mean they're interesting people or even attractive you know um, I'm not Ouch. Oh, I'm, just, I'm just saying like kind of like <laughs> they've spent their entire youth becoming very good at throwing shot putts they probably don't know how to socialize no but I was going to say shoot their shot well, no I was going to say like you depict it as in like you know it's Olympians like the, the way we would perceive them in like you know Greek mythology or something like that like where it's like you know Sean from down the road who's like good at good at, good at shooting arrows they're people who are trained to do things as quickly as possible yes that's me I have no patience so Suicide Squad directed by David Ayer I'm a good listener though that for me it's followed by birds of prey i mean it's quality not. and then we're on to the suicide squad harley is the consistent element across those three things right has she been in anything else she's just appeared in those three right yeah suicide squad birds of prey and then the new suicide squad okay so i guess high level impressions did you enjoy the suicide squad from james gunn brian thumbs up or thumbs down thumbs down kevin um like I've I've heard a lot of positive things about the movie and stuff. Um I would I, I'm not going to say it's necessarily a bad movie. It's not the type of movie I I'm thrilled about. I don't I think some of it maybe it's like I'm not who their target audience is to a degree. Did I like it? It was fine. Like it was fine. I think um it was it was fine. It was just it was okay like uh, like I actually, I, I think there's a lot to like in there. Like when, when it started pretty early on, I was kind of sitting there and I was just, you know, not into it. The audience I saw with didn't seem to be into it either. Like the humor didn't land. Really didn't like, did you, my, one of my biggest problems. Um, like I know there's a reduced capacity yeah, because of like, COVID, like, but would you they, say they had filled that? Uh, they didn't fill it, but it it was a small room, uh, kind of a daytime showing. Okay. So there was there was enough people there, I think. Because part of my watching it, it, I was watching it, not laughing, going, I think I'd be laughing if a room was laughing. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Like th- this is my biggest problem with with the film. Really, is gone. His sensibility, his humor, just doesn't do it for me. Um, it's like. It's like somebody trying very hard to be kind of edgy. Everything feels super contrived, whether it's the humor or the sentimentality or the violence. I can see it coming from a mile away. It just doesn't doesn't do it for me. But there was a lot to like in there. I thought the cast was great. I thought the costumes are great. The effects are great. Um, but everything, every setup in it, I can see coming a mile away, you know, and it there's no payoff for me watching it. Kind of groan inducing, um, but at the same time, I was thinking about a lot of stuff. Like like watching it initially, I was just really 
bored and frustrated, uh, kind of annoyed. But so I was kind of mad about it like that day. But, you know, we've been thinking about it last night or today. It's like there, there's so much in there that there's so much in there to like. Mm. I think I think Gunn gets in his own way by trying to be a lot of things. Like I said, it, it's trying too hard. It, it's very contrived, whether it's trying to be edgy or provocative or like I, I have no problem with the, the gratuity or the violence or anything like that. But the way it shifts tonally from trying to be silly. I, I hate the the forced bickering and banter between the characters. And it, it happens in Guardians all the time as well. And it just it it's trying to create, you know, an energy or a camaraderie by having people like, you know, bicker and snipe and pick up on everything they're saying, but instead it's just overworked. It's hard to listen to. Everything about it is is very contrived. Like the, the so there's so many jokes in there that just you know, like the bag of dick jokes and the, there's I can't even remember. There's there's so many in there and it's just like you're trying too hard. Just get get on with the film. Get on with what works because there's a lot to like in there. I, I like the outline for the plot. Like I said, the the effects were good. It looks good. There's so much in there to like. But like the dialogue is like Gilmore Girls, yeah, but just superhero movie. I love the Gilmore Girls, but that's the thing. It, that's what I'm saying. It, it's trying to be that without without naturally being that. Like, it, it he doesn't have he doesn't have the humor. He doesn't have the wit for that kind of stuff, um, and it just doesn't land. And it, and again, he tries to shift from that type of you know rapid fire dialogue to really gross out humor. Kind of really, you know, you can see his kind of trauma sensibilities coming in. It's trying to be too much all at the same time and none of it works and it's frustrating There's, but, but my impression thinking back on it right to a degree i'm just speaking for the opening sequence is like basically the trailers and everything were just massive red herrings the whole cast red herring and then they're all killed off in the first five minutes i was but i, I just want to say the thing is so like kind of watching it i was just like yep yeah, like I kind of like I figured these are all stupid characters. Like what I I thought when I saw the trailers, I thought like they're all going to die. They're all super expendable. Like it's definitely you know Israel Elba, uh, flag and Deadpool two beat them to the gag. Basically. Yeah, but that's it. Uh, but I just I just thought like I did think I like, kind of like oh like kind of no this is yeah exactly. And I just thought like mm, no like kind of I thinking back and I was just like oh yeah like I suppose that might have been effective for some people like really effective for some people. And I kind of liked that they tried to do it, but uh, I, it was definitely wasted on me. I'm not saying that I, I don't think this is a bad movie. I kind of it was fine. Like I said, I liked it, but it's like if someone rained gun in a bit, uh, it could have been a little bit better. That's the thing is like you know Sorry for going there. he gets so much he gets so much credit for the first Guardians film, and I know everything I like about that had to do with the other writers and not him. And he came in and he changed a lot. And I hate Guardians too. And I think it's, it, I think it's exactly, I think it's a perfect example of what you get from Gunn when you give him free reign and none of Guardians. Like, I don't really like Guardians 1, but it, like I said, everything I like in it, I know is from the the earlier, I, I know it is. I, I've even heard him talk about, I don't, I, that's the other thing is like, I don't like the way I, I get bad vibes from the guy. Uh, I, I remember one of the first kind of 
I remember one of the first interviews I saw with them after Guardians was his success. And he's talking about, I think he was like doing a breakdown of a scene or something. And the amount of times he mentions, I can't remember the writer's name. It was Nicole, what's her name? I've got to look up her name quickly. But the amount of times he goes out of his way to say that he changed this about her script or that about her script or this thing that was a, a rewrite he did or this, this and that. And I was just, I think a lot of the heart in Guardians is the remnants of probably what she did, I think. As a, And then he came in and kind of tried to punch up the jokes with his kind of edgier humor and stuff like that. And there's, there's stuff in it then that like, I, this has been a very, this has been a sort of troubled franchise the whole way through. Like whatever David Ayer's project would have been, the fact that it was re-edited after the fact with him or, or however you want to do it like those guys went in and made a movie and that's not the movie that ended up on screen so i do feel for the cast of the original suicide squad i don't know that the actual movie would have been any better but i did feel watching kinnaman and watching robbie and even jai courtney who's jai courtney on screen here huh? who's jai courtney okay boomerang boomerang um watching them in this movie going this kind of feels like they're getting another swing at something they enjoyed doing mm, yes i thought the same thing Eden. <gasps> yeah and there's a moment where they like slow-mo through the rain and rick flag looks at harley quinn and she looks at him and i went i think they're enjoying this and i suddenly liked the characters and i liked flag and I liked their relationship that they've been through shit together and they'd literally been through the production of the first movie and the publicity and the reception and they come back around and they're doing something else here. So I was very annoyed then with how Kinnaman ends up because I was just like, ah, oh, for fuck's sake, you know, just like, can we just let him, I don't know, but there, there, mm -hmm. there was a, a feeling watching it to a degree that was like, I don't know if this is just shit that like they finally got this working and we're losing them or they kind of were happy to go I'm going to do a decent version of this and close the book on it and I think I'm that was I think it's the latter I think f for him maybe it was the latter you know but um, I did think the same thing it's funny it's just like why did these guys come back when their first movie was passed so hard but then maybe like you know they were just kind of like yeah, they, they were on board for, for uh, David Ayer's vision and then that got so kind of distorted or whatever from what, it, what we saw uh, when it was released and then this one, they were just like, we're going to do it James Gunn's way and like, you can trust us, we're not going to fuck it up, you know? But he was just like, I'll do it, but... I'm See, wh whether or not we think the project is good, I kind of feel for the actors in this place where I'm like, I'm, at least I'm happy that they made the thing and got the thing out that they actually tried to make. I'm a little, little happier about that. i so fucking amused by Flula Borg because I remember him being kind of like, I've got a movie, I've got a movie role, I'm so happy I'm doing this, and it was some interview, and he's like, I've spent eight months training to put on this much weight to be the javelin. And I was like, okay, Flula Borg's in this movie, let's see what they do with him. And I'm like, you spent all that time training, and that's the extent but not of think, your But do you think that was all... Uh like kind of marketing campaign Bullshit talk oh, 100% because my, my brother texted me my know. brother saw it and he was just like oh and Philberg's in it and he's brilliant and stuff and I was just like I I, thought, I, I was thinking oh, maybe he was like kind of keeping up that like you know the it's like kind of the Santa's real he's real did Steve Agee play the shark on set 
I think originally that's what I heard. I, I don't think it's clear yet mm. because for a long time it was reported that that's who he was playing. Yeah. And it was only afterwards that they, they changed it. So that's I think I think he played him on set, but it's unclear for now. Who Who's that? Um, Steve, yeah, Steve who? Steve Age, he's a, he's a comedian um, and an actor and a bunch of stuff. And Is that Aggie? This was kind of, again, the podcasts that I listen to are friends with Steve Agee and they talk, you know, a little bit about, you know, oh, he's off making this movie and it was kind of alluded to that he was playing the shark, but we know that... He's still in the film. He's still in the film. He's the tech guy. Oh, okay, the okay. But why, why, why wasn't he... Why is he taking out being the shark? Well, you see, the thing is, he in the same way that Sean Gunn played the weasel... Ah, yes. But you've no mention of Sean Gunn anywhere. But he never... He, there is a chance that Steve Agee was the shark on set and they CG'd... You know, they mo-capped around him and then got Stallone to do the hand. That was Sylvester Stallone. Get, Vin oh, Diesel I completely, that was completely yeah. lost to me. Yeah. Jeez, do I watch these things? What's wrong with me? No, you can hear it a bit, but it is a little lost under what they did to the voice, you know? Yeah, they, they changed it mm, a lot. Mm, mm, yes. I think you'd just assume it was any yeah. generic voice actor doing a, a big guy voice. Yeah, yeah. If... Didn't yeah, it's it like it's like the Bradley Cooper stuff for Rocket Raccoon. I was like, I always forget, and like he never does anything to publicity for it, does he? He never really does anything. Is it yeah. even him? Who knows? No, he, just for the, I think just for like the first Guardians film was the only time I've ever actually seen him do. Hmm. Which is weird because he's got a big enough part in Endgame. It's like, is it really him or is it just somebody doing an impression of him now? Because it's such a broad. Because they do that. We know they do that. It's it's pretty rare for somebody voice acting to do the full performance. In this sense, yeah. Um, also, also. They hire oh, people to do impressions. Sorry, just want to say a little bit of a segue here. I, obviously, I rewatched Spider-Man Homecoming and stuff. There is so many scenes in that movie where none of those actors are in the same place. There's a whole scene where Iron Man is given out to Peter, Peter Parker. Oh, and yeah, they you are can tell. not in the yeah. same scene. And there's a lot of it. And it's just like, did these people not want to act together or something? But then you do see you do see scenes where they act together and stuff. But my like, my God, there's a lot of it. It's like most of been scheduling the the like yeah the logistics the logistics. But like you know what? Like yeah, I don't really care. Like I know that sounds awful. It's like like but I, I'd rather almost just like know about it because then it's just like you're not trying to kind of convince me otherwise. You know what I mean? It's like I don't really care. The world's life's too short for that no, shit. Yeah, I mean, if it if it works, if it works, I, I didn't I didn't notice it the first time, like, anyways. Like there's there's a thing, famously they they show the the good wife. There there was two characters on that that couldn't stand each other, and they they were you know they were best friends through a bunch of the show the characters, but by the time it came to their sort of last on screen appearances together, like they were done in tight singles for the entire back half of the show, and it's like you never see the these two, two, the, the two actors couldn't stand each other. Jeez. Yeah. Is that Margulies and... It's the one that played Kalinda. Is it Kalinda? Kalinda, yeah. Yeah, apparently she wasn't happy with her being... Outshining her, essentially, because her character was... People liked. So popular, yeah. yeah. Well, she was, she was kind of... She was a sort of detective character that did a lot of the investigation for Margulies's yeah. lawyer. And she got to be kind of, you know, wisecracky and... and mm. do, you know, do you know what kind of... You know skill set there was just some of dialogue there and mm-hmm. stuff do you know what kind of frustrated me about like some of the stuff in the the suicide squad it's like when margaret robbie was talking to the javelin guy right and he's like oh you have to carry it or you have to do something and she's like do what do what like it's like 
She's not. She's not stupid. There's no one around. Why is she like? She, like you know, it's like why is she kind of trying to like do her bit in front of this dying man? You know what I mean? And like it's unrealistic. Well, I, I again that I think we have to. I think that's Gunn's humor as well, though. You know, is but I don't think it works. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it works. It's just like yeah. that's what I'm saying. It doesn't work. It, what it, you're asking is why is Harley Quinn doing her bit in front of a, a dying man, a dead when person. she's the only it's person like, there? We're supposed to accept that. Harley Quinn is crazy. It's not a bit. You know? Yeah, but also in the in the way it's, I think in the way it's constructed and presented, it just doesn't land. It, yeah, I, I hear you there because I also can't quite hear what Flula had just said. You know, so when she's asking questions, I'm trying to work out what the context. Was. But yeah, see, I think it's just kind of like it's like Harley Quinn is like people. You can say, oh, she's manic, she's crazy, that, but she's she's empathetic, and she's a very intelligent person. She is. She really is. She's just unhinged. It doesn't mean that she's not, she's incapable of like reading that situation. That Milton joke as well. Like it's that whole type of humor where, you know, somebody's saying something and somebody's disagreeing with them and they're having an argument about who said what. And it's just this back and forth and it's he thinks, too he, long. And then it calls back he thinks to that's later. Banter. He thinks that's and character developing banter. Yeah. And it, it yeah. And it, it's, it's I enjoyed not, the Milton bit. I, I like a lot of the movie. So going to just do a little, uh, what summary summary um so they skip a lot of the setup this time or they blow through it and the suicide squad is viola davis's amanda waller puts together task force x which is a bunch of superpowered villainous characters who are offered 10 years off their prison sentence in exchange for undertaking a dangerous task it's actually the dirty dozen with um lee marvin and a bunch of other people as well if anybody's ever seen the dirty dozen the, the war movie um, they bunch it's of, Cyber City Oedo. It's it's a bunch of things, you know. Yeah, no, I'm a yeah. dirty dozen. Clearly came first. Yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah, saying yeah. it. How to uh, paint your wagon? Cyber City Oedo. <laughs> How to paint your wagon? You yeah. haven't seen it? Similar premise. Yeah, um, three episodes. It's very good. Check it out. Uh, you haven't no. seen it? What okay, is it, Brian? Sorry, it. sorry, okay. I didn't, you're trying to talk there, bro. Sorry, and you do it. Um, no, I let in finish. No, yeah, I just I just want to be sure that we've got the 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 plot outline. The summary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. We have a new group of villains this time around, coupled with a, a few old favourites. We've still got Joel Kinnaman's Rick Flag. We introduce Idris Elba's Bloodsport, who I think did a really great job. I, he's a bloodshot. Bloodsport. 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 Is it bloodshot or bloodsport? Bloodsport. Sport. That's stupid. Actually, Brian, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it. It's not stupid. You're wrong. Carry on, Aiden. <laughs> they are sent to the small Caribbean island of Corto Maltese to try and dismantle a government experiment that is a threat to American freedoms and liberties. Mm-hmm. We open as the team red, led by Rick Flag, and um, I think we see uh, Michael Rooker's character as our sort of Sub- entry into Savant. Rick Flag's team. He's the entry character, yeah. Storming the beaches of Corta Maltese. We meet a whole bunch of random people. They're immediately killed. We go three days earlier and we meet who our actual leads are. I liked all that. Um, I I didn't. I hate doing a three days earlier type of thing in a movie. Uh, the one... Because it invariably means I get to watch 90 minutes that lead back to where I started. Now, to be fair to the movie, they didn't do that. They They gave us a little different intro. And it was kind of more like a false start than this was going to be the whole film. Um, Peter Capaldi's in it as a thinker. We're dealing with Starro the Conqueror, which is a character that like is a giant starfish that controls people's brains. It worked. I. It worked. It. I think it worked. I didn't. 
Yeah. I, I, when Justice League started from the animated series, they started with a three-part episode that was Starro. And it's, it's my own bias on this, but like they showed episode one and then I had to wait a week for the next episode of Justice League. But I didn't quite grasp the weekly fucking thing. Mm. So when there were repeats, I kept tuning in thinking I was going to see the next bit of it. So I would see the Starro storyline like nine times before I got onto another bloody episode. So I hate that fucking Starfish. <laughs> I, 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 it, it's, That's hilarious. It's kind of like a, a rational dislike. I just hate the fucking thing. I have no interest in watching this bloody Starfish. That being said, they did an amazing job with it. They kind of made it a personific- personified it with the smaller possessions, mm-hmm. the little Starfish yes, yeah, possessing yeah. the bodies. I'd never seen that presented as like under that starfish is a corpse. Like anytime I've seen it in a comic, they try and get the starfish off the person and retrieve the person. But the take on this was once that thing hits your face, you're gone. Makes sense. Actually, I just realized something. I I think I liked the movie and the movie was fine. But you know what? I think because of the hype, maybe or the different things and the stuff I've heard. I actually think it was very, very, very underwhelming. So no, is, I think it's yeah. just a bit bland. It's a bit bland. There, there, there's a lot of noise and a lot of color and stuff, but it's just but, kind. But of... none of it pays off. It's like as in like when I say none of it pays off, I mean like it's not as impactful as you think it is. It's a little bit flat. It's a little bit flat. No, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff just doesn't. I liked. Land, I liked it, know? but just underwhelming. It, Bloodsport and Peacemaker doing their little competition through the 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 camp of people that they're killing, like that didn't quite. Like, they're trying to show a sort of rivalry in how they're killing people. Each one wants to be the better killer. But it doesn't come across as competitive as they want it to. And then at the end of it, they sort of, like, have a little argument over it. You're like, oh, they were having a competition. I didn't I didn't quite twig that, you know? Yeah. And then the twist, which you can see a mile I away. I didn't see that. just doesn't land. I didn't see that. Okay, and it landed well. for me. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I hated it. I uh, I didn't see that coming, and I laughed. I don't. I I wasn't mad on the sort of chapterizing it. You know, putting things on screen, booting me onto the next. Just every time you do that, you take me out of your movie. Let's just keep going. You know. Yeah. That that that's. I think that's that's more examples of it. Is that he's trying to be so many different things all at once without, without it being an authentic part of his style. Yeah. And it just feels contrived and it pulls you out. Yeah. Something I do think is kind of interesting is um, Daniela Melchior, who played Ratcatcher. Yes, brilliant. I thought she was really good. Yeah, brilliant. That was great. I character. liked her. Yeah, she was great. I, did, I liked thing, the stuff I, I, with Taika Waititi. Didn't realize that was him till the end. But I just think it was so brutally shoehorned into the fucking thing that it was crap, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, I th- Again, it, it doesn't land. She did know? an amazing job conveying what she was supposed to convey, but it was so out of context from her broader story that I'm like, why am I getting this flashback now? Why is she crying now? Like, I mean, I felt what she was feeling. She did a great job. But it's shoehorned. But it's it it's is. it's from the wrong movie. If I had watched the whole movie about the rat catcher and seen her upbringing and, and whatever, she did a great job. I thought the rat catcher was a really good character. I was just, because like, well, maybe I didn't pay attention to the trailers enough, I guess, but like a part of me was like, wasn't it kind of really expecting that character as such, you know? Um, and I thought mm. I thought she was really cool. Um, uh, there's some stuff though I thought was a little bit ignorant. Uh, I kind of felt like the representation of a South American city was yeah. a little bit like it was really like, of course these people don't have shoes or t-shirts and wear like 
kind of dated secondhand clothes almost uh, and of course they have like a massive massive rat infestation like would they would they even would they would they would they dare to do that if it was based in new york or london or something i don't know um like i don't i don't know like i don't know kind of realistic like i, I don't know if that's a valid point but i just felt like i kind of just felt like it was just kind of like yep america's coming in to liberate little cuba again i think that's valid the the, the, the like they're they're very much marginalized in a film set in their own i know it's a fictional country but essentially like they they have very little agency and they're not represented particularly well in the entire film and it's a bit it's and a bit i totally forgot uh, when i was watching the movie and then the girl and the other uh, rebel fighters burst into the room and they kill the 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 main the, mm-hmm. the, the military people the i was generals. just like oh i forgot there was like a coup going on i i that completely forgot that I, I did forget about them as well yeah. um that whole bit with harley and the president as well is just again so, so weird forced. i thought he had and weird big see, eyes see it coming a mile away that hmm? i thought he was like some sort of like mutant person or something he had like these big massive eyeballs and i thought he was kind of like a star fox type of character with like the whole like charm thing which i thought was creepy but like oh. ridiculous it's kind of stupid uh uh yeah i just didn't think i just i just felt like that was a little bit not nice the way it was where it was based and like, what it was, how it was perceived that whole, that whole montage yeah is it doesn't work it's not it's not funny again it's not authentically his style and you know it's just setting up so he can yeah. pull the rug out it, it wasn't from to shoot but it, it just it's it's a wasted couple of minutes and it's also just a very weird it is it's, it's weird for, it's weird because you're taking you're trying to set this guy up as a you know very classic south american dictator and it's like but it would be it'd be one thing if it was like the movie begins with like a kind of coming to america style dictator waking up in this palace and he's got like a shrine to harley quinn for some reason and he tries to draw the suicide squad there to get her like if there was some sort of weird like at least then it's sort of part of the plot but like we've been introduced to this guy as the president of a country and like he has no way of knowing that harley quinn is going to be one of the eight people storming his beach and like but like the whole thing like, but the whole thing like i want to marry you because it's what my people would want it's like why would you because like, you're, you're against america like it was like absolute like i thought just like kind of just like fucking weird and stupid i kind of actually forgot about that whole there is thing. a weird thing like do you remember they found the scrapbook in Saddam's palace of like pictures of Condoleezza Rice. There is precedence for a dictator having a fixation on somebody. And I can see how it would be a funny joke, but they didn't set that it didn't up serve with Harley the plot. Yeah, just, it's just weird. Also as well, like in any other film... her or something. Yeah, but like in any other film with that sort of, you know, dynamic of a person and their prisoner mm. and them... Essentially, they'd be coercing that person into marriage and sex. Yeah. And instead, it's played as like her, you know, swooning over him. But is quite. But it serves no fucking point Mm -hmm. because it would be one thing if she was the key to controlling Starro and it would further his agenda or, you know, it actually served the movie, you know? Like, if you think about. If you think about Hook, where Dustin Hoffman tries to co-opt Peter Pan as a father figure and steal the children, he's developing that relationship to antagonize and torture his enemy. 
and it becomes a, a key feature of the movie, getting Peter winning his children back. The Suicide Squad, this, this is nothing. You're like, why is this going on? He just wants to bang Harley Quinn? Marry her? Like, is like, is he like just like a South American? She is an icon for my people. What? It's like in South Park, the Mexican Joker. But no, it's just like I don't get it. Um, I just thought, yeah, I just thought that stuff was a little bit bloody stupid, to be honest. A bit redundant. I just there was some of the stuff like that I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily keen on. But I think that's just gone. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I would almost like if we drop that whole concept, and we still have the idea that like. Harley is captured on the beach and dragged to the El Presidente and he starts to interrogate her and he thinks she's harmless and she kills him early in the movie. Fucking spoilers, we do flag this early on. If that had been the angles, like he completely underestimates this person and she kills him and then we're like, oh, right, we thought this was the villain, now he's gone. What is this movie? That'd be one thing, but just this weird romance? Yeah, but like, exactly. Moment. Even if it was a case of like, kind of, Captured Harley Quinn, like, uh, kind of, you know, he's like, kind of here. What, what, what? Why are you here? He's trying to kind of like get the information out of her, and then does a whole thing of basically like he's just just like cliche thing of telling her his plans or something, and then she kills him. She doesn't. She doesn't have to rely on this guy to save her. Nothing like that. You can play that out yeah. the same way, you know. And that bit where they're climbing the thing and she runs in the street. That's all great, fantastic, but it's just like bizarre, bizarre, bizarre way to go about it, though. Yeah. Because it, it could be kind of funny that if we find out, you know, like, this movie treats the villain as just as expendable as any of these fucking criminals. And then you're, you're, the next general hops in line and she escapes the building and hooks up with Flag and they get back to hunting down Jotunheim. Um, the Tinker. That's what I was going next. Peter Capaldi's character. Um, they pick up... Wasted. Do not feel like, they do not feel like Peter, it was all red herrings? The whole trailer, like their whole marketing thing was red herring after red herring after red herring. I don't even feel that it was a red herring necessarily. I, I remember like the first we saw of this, one of the first things we saw was just this big title card with, look at the size of this mm. cast. And that's, it, it, that's a sort of a, it's kind of a prestige move that, films try and make is that there's so many named people but the thing is in the title card so many of those people aren't actually named people they're they're known but they're not they're not big names you know but it, it, it's a stunt basically and the, th- the, the you know to the other part then is that he gets to say he is reinterpreting or reigniting all these kind of characters who've maybe left on the wayside and he's bringing his genius reinterpreting them because the thinker's character could have just been any other scientist but no now it's now it's gone has got this you know cool version of the thinker or cool version of polka dot man or whatever it, it's a it's a stunt and it's a it's a bit of an ego thing to say but the thing is it's me coming worked. in I'm, I'm doing so much with yeah no it works mm-hmm. yeah it's i'm it's, not saying it doesn't work i'm saying it's worked and it's, we're going to get more peacemaker and I'm starting to see them float in the concept of James Gunn's Harley Quinn film coming up. You know, like that's a sort of a throwaway line that they're going to lean into as time goes on. I'm kind of annoyed that I didn't get... He doesn't get, get the character. It's like, it made me like Rick Flagg. <laughs> yeah. And I remember when I saw the first... When we went to see the Suicide Squad and I saw him in like a boardroom with the Enchantress for the first time and I went, it looks like 
you know when they stick Triple H in a suit? Yeah. You know? It looks it's, it's that. It's just like roids not quite clean shaven. Just looks sweaty and uncomfortable. And that's what Kinnaman looked like in that fucking boardroom. And I went, Oh, this looks like a WWE movie. Mm. You know? And it just didn't like that that is the moment I detached from the, the first Suicide Squad when I saw Joel Kinnaman looking like a professional wrestler crammed into a suit. I went, This isn't great. I maybe it should have been earlier. Like I, I put that on this morning. I put the original on this morning and was trying to look at what where it went wrong. In the space of four minutes in the first movie, there's three different needle drops as we meet three different characters. We have three introductions. We have Will Smith's character, we have Harley Quinn, and we have Amanda Waller. Then we spend the next 12 minutes doing intros. Again, we get reintroduced to Will Smith's character, we get reintroduced to Harley Quinn, we get introduced to Boomerang. Um, oh God, have we got to have Diablo? It's like 15 minutes of introductions and, and needle drops. And it's like, Jesus fucking Christ, what is this movie? Like your inciting incident's supposed to kick off at 20 minutes if we're sticking to like Sid Field's script writing thing, you know? Like, I, I want there's things to be more interesting writing? than by the numbers. Yeah, there, there's there's by the numbers shit that you can see happening in mediocre movies. um, And it, it tends to work, you know, it tends to be fine. Inciting incident kicks off at 20 minutes and... Yeah, like you can kind of stop watch it if you really want to but you know better movies have all the ingredients but they you know you don't notice the mechanics this one I'm just looking for like watching the opening of that I'm looking for the mechanic I'm going please do something right you know I've I've digressed to the original I apologize I feel like I'm just I, I was just going to bring it back to the, the new one but I was going to say like I feel like I, I'm ragging on it to a degree Um, I just want to say like I really enjoyed Ratcatcher. I really enjoyed King Shark. I wish it was kind of more of him. Um, Flag was brilliant and stuff. But I was just, but I was just gonna say, it's just like I kind of feel that Waller's character was crap in this one. I really liked her in the first one, and I think that she just nosedived. She was way better when she was like a more like less emotional, more calculated uh, kind of government type you know that she can separate like kind of these are just like you know it's the mission at hand blah blah but like the double crossing the double double crossing and then her getting like like you know screaming fuck you motherfuckers god damn you blah 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 blah. it's like in a room full of like her peers and stuff i just didn't see that for her Mm. did you feel that at all yeah no No, like i I know her character best from like justice Justice League League unlimited and very calculated. She's a character who, who yeah, is like always has the upper hand. Yes, Doesn't yeah, cool. yeah. Is just prepared for stuff, and yeah, he completely undermined yeah. that in this one by having. I her, didn't like uh, it at all. I yeah. didn't like that at all. Davis is fantastic, and yeah, he's he's ruined of, it. Mm. That character has been like the original opens with a limo sorry Amanda Waller's first appearance in that movie is a limousine pulling up to a restaurant and the Rolling Stones Sympathy for the Devil starts playing you know please allow me to introduce myself Mm. and then she just then she's just like ever since Superman flew across the sky and it's like oh this sucks so bad just like even if they just stopped all the needle drops and just had like just a little bit of score in the background these would read better you know without the fucking trying to grab my attention every 90 seconds with some new 
rhythm. It's annoying. Angela Bassett was Amanda Waller in the Green Lantern movie. That character has just not been served well in live action. They keep casting no. good people, but getting them to do shitty yeah. things. But I don't think she was that bad in the first Suicide Squad. Well, like, if you think about the first Suicide Squad, no. we spend... We sp- I, I've just told you I watched 20 minutes of it this morning, and it was all introduction. Mm. The first time we meet them, her at the dinner table with these generals convincing them to greenlight Task Force X. We then go on to have her go and meet these people individually before they become the team. So there's a half hour of her putting the team together. They get sent to do the mission. And what are they doing? They're rescuing her. By the time they're flying into the city, they're extracting her from the middle of it. Mm. It's like, what the fuck is this narrative? Mm. Um, yeah, well... I, I, even as I'm talking to you, I'm remembering it. Like, she's, like... No, she's crap in that as well. Do you think... N- not, not the... Uh, she is not as an actress, nor her performance, whatever. What she's been given to do... Rubbish. Yeah, I just... just I didn't like seeing her being portrayed the way she was. But, like, it's not that the... It's not that the actor did a bad job. She's great. It's no. just a character nosedive, but that's no fault of her own. But I was going to say, Harley Quinn, like, I, I, Margaret Robbie's awesome. Like, I don't think anybody would ever dispute that she's not a brilliant, brilliant actor. Like, she's great. Um, not that she's better than this, because, like, you know, fantastic actors play these roles all the time. But I think, like, kind of, Birds of Prey, I feel, I felt she got really, like, shafted in that movie. She is such a fucking good, good actor. Hardy Quinn's awesome character, all that kind of stuff. Um, I thought they, 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 they were definitely less of her. In but this. remember what we were saying earlier is she is heavily involved in these movies getting yeah. made. At but there was, less, there was less of her than I thought there would be. In this movie? Hmm. Hmm. I, I don't know. It's, it's hard because like, I'm looking at the poster of it now going, Polka Dot Man, really enjoyed him. Rick Flagg really enjoyed mm-hmm. him. Uh, uh, King Shark, cool. Idris Elba, I, I don't know if you guys agree or disagree. I I enjoy him. I, I yeah, I think he's great. Fucking everything. It was it was nice to see him get that much yeah. screen time and something like. If you think about, like off the top of my head, the the two kind of most exposure he's had from a type of blockbuster type thing would be Pacific Rim, and, which he's awesome in. Um, I like that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he, he is. I, I no, I love I love Pacific Rim, but he's, he's barely in it. Yeah, uh, he's not in enough and. He's in, you know, a couple of minor appearances in the MCU. The MCU movies, he's Heidel you know? or Hi, Hi, Oh, I can never um, his name. Heidel, Heidel, Hemdel, 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 Hemdel or Heimdel. Or we'll talk to a Norwegian and they'll tell us we're all wrong. He is a waste in in those movies. Do you agree? But but he's a love character. But it it, it was yeah. It was it was great to see him get. It was great to see him get this screen much time. screen time. Yeah, he's yes, great. Agreed. John Cena's Peacemaker whether or not you agree with James Gunn's sensibility, the I would eat a bag of dicks thing, like the first time we meet him and it's like, are you kidding? He does exactly what I do. And he walks out and goes, but better. And like, I'm like, okay, he, he's really good at no, this. I, I like Cena. Yeah. It's more the, what, what Gunn gave mm, him to yeah. do that I don't like. When King Shark tries to eat Ratcatcher and they all wake up in the middle of the night. I love that. Peacemaker shows up in his tidy whiteies. Well, not that, but, that was so funny. I maybe you disagree. I really enjoyed that he's the only one that stripped down to his tidy whiteies and just stood there. I think um, any any of course I think you any like man. It. I think any man who's brave enough, or any person who's brave enough to wear white underwear, 
deserve some respect. Were you wearing white underwear in the woods, Kev? No, I only wear black underwear, pal. I'm not. Not by the time you got back. I'm not that brave. Um, Margot Robbie was great. Uh, I mean, I've never had accidents, but you never know. Daniela Melchior's Rat Catcher was great. I wouldn't want someone to see it. Who else we got? Jai Courtney was good. Some mean streaks. Nathan Fillion didn't have much to do. Rooker. How long do you think like, he was Rooker wearing Rooker was really a, a dead end. I'm not saying he's brave. He's still on the underwear. <laughs> the shark. The, the I like the shark. I like the shark. I'm really so, I'm a real softy for all the big hulky monsters and stuff. Overall, I think this is a an okay film that I would come back to for the charisma of its cast, but not for the content of the film, if that makes any sense. <laughs> like when the moments where Harley is great, she's great. Mm-hmm. The moment where Bloodsport is cool like his weaponry i'd love to get it i would love to have seen like a little explanation of what the hell is happening with his little like expansive nanotech mm-hmm, guns mm-hmm. or something like i'm just guessing also that part where he put the rotating thing on and it didn't fire any faster <laughs> it's just like, it's spinning around it's like oh is that gonna fire multiple shots it's like no it still fires one one shot but they're at time. bigger bullets this, now it's yeah but why uh, is the thing it's, spinning it's the, the, like, the forearm draw like micro bow and arrow thing was kind of cool like the slide mm-hmm. thing he had there I he had a lot of tech on him and it's like I had no explanation of it and was trying to work out what it was doing as it was going and it's like I'd like I, I didn't need an explanation I didn't need I, I was I, would like I thought the spinning thing on his gun at the end I was convinced was he was going to get a star on his face because his, his helmet broke right I was super convinced I thought that was like foreshadowing or something but we'll go back to the peacemaker but I, I was I was I was so annoyed when, you know, Peacemaker chases down Ratcatcher and then it goes eight minutes earlier. And it's like, oh, can we please just tell a fucking linear story? Mm. I don't know. Like, it's not that I lose track of these things, but it's just you bring me out of the movie every time. It was like Dunkirk. I really struggled with Dunkirk in that sense. And I just don't think it's... I think it works sometimes, but it doesn't make your movie more... It doesn't make your movie any cleverer, I should say. If you're going to do it, there needs to be a reason to do it. It needs to be a mechanic built into the thing. Like, why are we jumping back a couple of minutes? But instead, it's like, at the start, I'm going to pull the rug out by going, here's what's happening parallel. And then later on, I'm going to show you what's happening a bit early. It's like, you could just you could just accomplish all that with editing. I, I As annoyed as I was by the three days earlier thing, when we go through that little red herring moment, and we've said red herring a few times, but like when we go to that moment of the beach is getting stormed and everybody getting killed and then we go to another beach and they walk out of the water and then the suicide yeah, squad I comes up great. Like, yeah that's an that's a, a a nice idea that's a nice moment yeah like we we, we misled you this is our actual suicide squad i i did like yeah. i did like the detachable kid it's a little bit like recast but but i did like the detachable kid need to fill in awful yeah. it's just because like, you're watching it, it's like you're kind of into it into it, into it and then like he disconnects his arms it's like all right something wild is gonna happen and then it's so pathetic and then it just goes downhill from there i did i liked kind of how they kind of chew you off with that stuff but i didn't appreciate it at the time when watching it not, not that i thought it was stupid i just it kind of i realized after the fact of like oh that was like a complete like misdirection you know um i think as an audience watching trailers and stuff but uh, i just i feel like we're ragging on the movie so hard there's elements I liked. I yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to balance out the fact that like like I said, there is something about all, it that's going to be. We've all been clear back. from the start. We've all been clear from the start where we stand at it. 
So I think we're just kind of discussing it critically at this point because mm. there's a lot to criticize. Uh, yeah. Because I mean, like the, fir- the first thing I said was, I think the cast is great. I think the the effects were good. I thought a lot of the costumes looked really good. Yeah. Um, th- th- there was a lot to like in there, but overall I'm saying it's unsuccessful for me because of all these. What did you think of, yeah. um, sorry, what did you think of the polka dot guy? Um, and his his whole mother arc i thought that was funny but also horrific and creepy you know and then he sees his giant mother and he shoot oh it was like it was so but it was it was good it was good fun i thought it was i thought it was like stupid obviously but i thought it was funny i i i did laugh when it cuts to him and what he sees when he's dancing in the nightclub yes yeah horrific and, and idris got his kind of like captain america moment where it's like you know harley take the high ground shark man yum yum like yeah. that's hulk smash really isn't it yeah yeah he was really good in it to be fair and i thought his costume was awesome i'm not familiar with that kind of character in the books at all to be honest because i get so confused there's bloodshot blood sports deathstroke deadpool they're all like the same i mean it was clearly supposed to be it was clearly supposed to be deadshot though yes yeah it was it was Quickly, it was meant to be yeah. will smith Okay, uh, but we're talking um, about Peacemaker. Peacemaker TV show. What do you reckon? You obviously saw the post-credit yeah. scenes. Yeah, like that's kind of like I knew he wasn't dead because they've made so much about the Peacemaker TV show coming. I'd want, like, I'd rather have a Rick Flag TV show. Honest to God, like I'm, I'm happy I, for I feel for Kinnaman at this point. This is this is my Luke Evans at this point. Joel Kinnaman has been trying so hard, and he like RoboCop didn't work. Suicide Squad didn't work. Peacemaker is the character that most represents Gunn's humor and sense. So I'm not familiar with the character at all. He, he, no, but what I'm saying is oh, like what he's in the film. Character. What I'm saying is in the film, Peacemaker is pretty much Gunn's insert for all the type of jokes that Gunn wants to make, all the type of stuff that Gunn wants to do. And Gunn is writing and directing, I think, all the episodes of this Peacemaker TV show. So, no, I'm not going to watch it because it's just going to be untapped unfiltered james gunn here's a here's a crude character who is going to say all the bad edgy jokes that i like to write so no i don't want eight episodes of that nothing so here's a here's a question then is he is he a character that's learned something from his encounter with rick flag or is he the tick you know, and he's just this big dumb idiot for eight episodes. Has he learned? I I don't think he's dumb. But do you do you think this he's, he's learned anything? Like, do you look, think look, the character's going to show any growth in this series? He's pretty much Captain America meets the Punisher. Guns Guns stick is to have the first trailer for Guardians made such a big deal out of uh, Chris Pratt flipping the guys off, and then the Nova guy going at what a bunch of a-holes and it was like it was the edgiest thing ever and it was just I I just groaned so much but Gunn's entire stick is to have these edgy crass kind of brash characters but then he also likes to insert a bit of kind of schmaltzy sentimentality Mm -hmm. so you're saying what is Peacemaker? Is he the tick or is he going to have this kind of, you know, redemption or whatever? Gunn is basically going to have the guy do 
you know, reprehensible things, crude things, all for the sake of his type of humor. But then he's also going to try inject a bit of sentimentality in there, basically. There. That's eight episodes. You don't need to watch it. Cool. So we'll be covering that on the podcast. And we'll watch every episode. Talk about it. And we can play play that clip right before every review because... um, That's your your opinion on all of it. Yeah. Well, no, just we, we can we can say, oh, no, yeah, you, you called that two years ago. Now let's talk about this week's episode of The Peacemaker. Just play that clip next week. Play the same thing. I mean, we can talk about it in full. I just I would like a bit of acknowledgement at the top of the discussion that uh, I called it. OK. I called it a year and a half ahead of when it first aired. Episode 21. Bookmark it. Do we think we've covered Suicide Squad? I just want to say. Again, you know back to the whole kind of contrivance and stuff i think a part of it another example of it i think is the general starro as the general at the end saying again you know trying to add a different layer or dimension to the character saying i was happy floating in space among the stars it's like that's not true because once you took over the astronauts you could have just set yourself free and floated in space so that line doesn't work Mm. it's just another example of guns kind of contrivance yeah. i want to give a little another layer yeah. of this character i'm going to have it be this uh you know kind of tragic figure it's like no that that doesn't work yeah. because you were in space and you you could have just let took over the, the astronauts you could have just let yourself out that's bullshit yeah. so fuck off and that character has been previously sort of represented as it's, it's a intergalactic virus it finds the next planet and occupies hosts it yeah like it has a uh, if not an agenda it has a function it does the thing um, the how do rats eat stuff that's bulletproof though like that doesn't make sense either did any of you kind of think it was like when that moment where Bloodsport shot at the peacemaker the peacemaker shot at Bloodsport was it any of you that were kind of just like please please don't go through his bullet please please don't and then they did it and I was just like God, it was awful. And then Peacemaker does how he's like smaller bullets. It's like, well, at least he acknowledged how dumb that was or how like, you know, silly that was or something. But I was just like, please don't. I hate. Sorry, Kev. I I hate that line earlier as well when they're having their little competition where he's saying, you know, I can't remember what it was, but it's just this really kind of contrived banter where he's saying nobody likes to show off unless the thing the show off is doing is really dope. And then. It just kind of Elba kind of this. turns to the camera and goes, oh, yeah, that is cool. It's just like, it just doesn't ring true yeah. for the character at all. It's just, I fucking hate that yeah. stuff. It's just, I I don't think, it, yeah, I don't think that just, character would have been competitive with, I think Peacemaker yeah. would have been competitive with Bloodsport, but I don't think Bloodsport would have been competitive with, you know, I think he, he should have been kind of dismissive and, and again, of it, the whole thing. It, it, it's the shift from that type of, thing the whole time you know it's like you know in that moment the character is going to have this kind of meta moment almost in that yeah fuck that that is a kind of cool thing but then doesn't behave like that again it's just and then tonally it's just shifting from this kind of cartoonish irreverence to to you know something more serious it's just all over the place it just it just really doesn't work for me i just wish he'd get out of his own way and just i saw somebody say that like what I'd love to see now is Henry Cavill take on the role of Sentry or Hyperion in the Marvel Universe and just be the best Superman movie for the last 30 years, you know? It's like, 
They're going to do that. Can we get... Do you think they're going to do that, Brian? They're absolutely going to do, do that. that? I, I think it'd be such a big, easy win for them to say, here's Cavill in the MCU. I don't know what... I'd, like, I'm not saying they'll do exactly that, yeah. but I'd be very surprised if they don't snap him better up Bill. for... Better, 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 better. I think they'll get him into the MCU. I don't think they'll do that Superman parallel thing because I don't think no, no, Cavill no. will want to alienate Warner Brothers or DC. I don't think he'll want to make enemies there for no reason. Oh, this is the thing though about. And I think he would annoy somebody. I think he's. That. I think he's very capable of doing that. I I hmm. think as well though. Like one of the things I've heard a couple of times people say about Hollywood in particular is like. It's it's virtually never the case. I'm sure there's instances of it, but it's virtually never the case where it's something personal. So somebody might hate your guts and might not hire you or like you for a number of things, but the moment you become valuable to them, they it none of that matters. They will quickly reverse that. So I think I think he's kind of free to do whatever. Because, because, I mean, look at it this way, like a gun was fired from Marvel and he went straight to DC to, you know, ostensibly do exactly what he did for Marvel. It was like, hey, come do that for us, but do it R-rated. And then they still hired him back. So I don't think it's that easy to, I don't think they take that type of stuff personally. I think I think Cavill could play a Hyperion or Sentry and Warner Brothers would take him back if I don't he, think he'd want to if, play if, Sentry. If they had any reason to. I don't think he's going to. Because uh, I think the problem with Sentry is that Sentry is sad Superman. Well, Sentry's a crap character. Sentry's a crap character, but like Sentry is sad Superman. And the the gag there is get him away from being the miserable version of Superman that Snyderverse has kind of put in place. Um, But like Captain Britain is a great shout, you mm-hmm. know, like he'd be cool. Yeah. I think that's our Suicide Squad analysis pretty comprehensively done. Um, I guess the last, a, a separate thing, it's it's a complete topic change. I was just going to say that the other thing that I watched this week was, I watched season two of Mythic Quest. I don't know if there's a season, th- I don't know if there's a season three of that show coming. And I don't know if you've watched any of it. It's it's a, it's a, an Apple show, um, Apple TV show. Um, it's a funny show because 80% of it is kind of crappy sitcom or it's like, it's fine sitcom. It's frustrating to anybody that works in the art or gaming industries to watch people smacking away at a keyboard and then animation appears on screen and you go, ugh, that's not... Do you remember that TV really show? fucking annoying. Do you remember that TV show in the 90s? I think it was Australian. Maybe the late 90s, early 2000s, but it was Australian. And I'm sure someone... No, away. that's still going on. Neighbors? No, that's still going on. That was that was a girl from Atlantis. Why? Okay. Um, Zena? No, no. That was New the girl Zena. from Tomorrow. Hmm. No. Girl from Tomorrow. I what was it called, Brian? Round the twist. No, no. It was a show about kid. Excuse me. My God. It was a show about kids like working in a kind of basically a video game development place, and they had like a kind of computer ai thing i think called virgil that would like also get them into trouble have to enter troubles all that kind of stuff but they're game testers uh and it was horrific do you remember that at all nope um i'd say the only people who may remember or person is benny 
So Benny, if you hear this, what am I talking about? He'll remember. Specifically broadcast in Athlone in 1999. Yeah, apparently. And then. The thing with Mythic Quest is the writers creators are Charlie Day, Rob McElhenney, Megan Gans, Kate McElhenney's writing on it as well, and a bunch of other writers. We have seen from Always Sunny and their previous work that they are capable of great fucking things. And in both seasons, there is at least one episode where they go away from the main thrust of the show do a completely different episode with a completely different cast and a completely different scenario. And you're like, this is great. Can I watch this show? (laughs) And then they come back to whatever. Like, it feeds into the narrative of what we learn about the main cast and characters. Like, in season one, there's an episode where it just travels back 15 years and you meet a couple who bond over buying video games in a shitty, like, you think about, like, an old PC video game store where you'd buy the boxes that are big. And they meet and they talk about games they like and they develop a game and they follow the rise and fall of this games company. And then it kind of ends with the office that they occupied is where our main crew is. But it's a different tone. It's shot differently. It's a different cast. It's great. And they did the same thing in season two. There's an episode where they travel back to the 50s and they focus on F. Murray Abraham's character as a, a young science fiction writer. Like working opposite sort of the same company that published Isaac Asimov and... Um, Ursula Gwynn and then the next episode is just F. Murray Abraham as an older man dealing with that rivalry with a, an aged William Hurt and they're just two standalone episodes out of the show you could just those three episodes alone in Mythic Quest great they do paint the characters in the rest of the show a bit better and you start to see them as realer people because they start off as Big Bang Theory level bright colourful sitcom characters and these other things start to put character on them. And I guess what I'm getting at is that, like, it's, again, because of the creative people behind this show, I have watched two seasons of it. And there's three episodes I can point at that are fantastic. And they have informed some of the characters after the fact. And they've made the rest of the show better. But it's, like, it's just a weird soup to wade through to find these three little gold I feel like they got the idea for this show when they visited Ubisoft and met a couple of weird developers and thought this is a great thing to mine comedy from Mm -hmm. and it's like I don't think so guys I think you just met a a weird dude and it kind of tickled your funny bone a bit but I don't think it's the greatest premise for a comedy show well it's just it's not the thing with sitcoms that you will we can all see like it isn't it isn't um a controversial statement to go that like where where a sitcom is set doesn't ultimately fucking matter it's really just about putting no, it's the characters a couple yeah. of characters in a situation the problem with something like a big bang theory or a, a mythic quest is that you're i mean i don't know maybe if it was set in a radio like if, a, if it was news radio or a firehouse firemen and radio people are just as fucking annoyed but like when i'm watching nerd comedy and game dev comedy as a nerd and someone familiar with game dev and i'm watching them get so much fucking wrong like on the this is the thing on the flip side of that you've got a show like silicon valley which got so much so right yeah you know did a lot of research Mm. kind of examining every level from like the, the kind of executives who maybe once were you know 
you know, they were something else when they started out as, you know, kind of computer science people. But then once they become billionaires, they're in this different realm. But there's so there's so many observations about billionaires in Silicon Valley mm. that are on the money. There's so many observations about development, every aspect of that show, basically, from whether it's the money or the kind of the cult of personality or the actual behind the scenes and the inner workings of yeah. it that, that Silicon Valley got, you know, 100 percent kind of right. And, and there's then, just there's an element of like Mike Judge, his a computer science background, right? Like he worked in that sort of office, and whether or not it's so long ago since he did that, it's drastically different. He knows enough to get people involved that. But th- th- that's you know the thing. The he, he's you know the setting you know maybe isn't important unless it is. In which case, if a per- like office space resonates with so many people because it gets so much of that setting right, you know? Yeah. Um, so if, if, if you're going to be specific about the setting, then you either know it enough to mine some mm-hmm. some humor or, or, or reason for it to be set there or, you know, do something else. Yeah, I think that this show is relying on their ability to write relationships between people. And they've tried to set it in this fucking world where the setting matters but yeah because they're getting so much of the setting wrong it's annoying me while i'm trying but, to watch these th- very that's well like, developed it, relationships yeah if if you're going to be that specific about the setting then you do need to get it right because why set it there otherwise mm. you know like it's always sunny doesn't need to be set in the pub because it's just about these lunatics you know getting up to stuff but if you're going to set something in in a game development context then the question is that's either going to be a background detail and it's about the characters and it's just they just happen to be there this is their place of work but we're going to get all this other you know the story and humor is going to be derived from everything else or you've set it there for a reason and it seems like they don't know that world well enough to for it to resonate or, or you know well, that being said, I have now watched two seasons of it, and I have come to like the characters, despite the kind of poorly or mediocrely developed world that they're in. Um, but there are three episodes in those two seasons that are gold. I will just check those out and nothing else. Fair enough. Do you think our podcast is too long? You lose. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>